You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, take your seats. I said take your seats. Class, sit. I swear you're all acting like a bunch of animals. Pet Life Radio presents Teacher's Pet, where you'll learn how to understand and communicate with your pet and train them to be the best pet they can be. It's time to see the world from your pet's point of view. So give a tail-wagging welcome to your Teacher's Pet host on PetLifeRadio.com. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Hi, and welcome to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm Nancy Tolino. Today we're going to be talking about something that not many of us are familiar with, and that is training our cats. Yep, you heard right. Training our cats. I venture to say the majority of people may not quite know how to do that and wouldn't know where to begin. That's what we're going to be talking about today. You know, there's so much information available on training our dogs, which is a great thing. People are becoming more and more educated and more knowledgeable through dog trainers and behaviorists and through training classes. But very, very little is known about feline training. Many of us that have cats or cats and dogs just kind of take it for granted that cats are independent or left to their own devices. That's not always the case. It's true they're different from dogs. True they have different responses. And true they may seem to themselves at times. But they do respond. And they do respond in a different way. And it's time for us to learn about that. Well, now there's a lot more information available. We're going to be talking today with the president and CEO of Animal Behavior College, who now offers a course in feline management and training. Speaking of which, you know, I have dogs and cats, and being that I am a trainer and behaviorist myself, I work primarily with canines, this fascinates me. And as I said, I have cats as well, but I just found a cat the other day, and it was heartbreaking because there she was, sitting in front of a store, in front of a bakery actually, uh, waiting to be fed. People were aware, okay, well this cat is unusual, this cat needs help, uh, whereas most cats seem to be able to take care of themselves outside. But in all reality, cats are domestic animals, just like dogs, and they do need our help. But little is known on how to relate to a cat, or how to know if and when a cat needs help. This particular cat made it easy, and sadly, she was declawed, and that makes her even more vulnerable. I was unaware of that, and I did take her, regardless of her situation. But when they're declawed, that makes them so much more vulnerable and so much more in need of help. Declawing a cat, tragically, sometimes seems to be like a Band-Aid for inappropriate behavior, push away behavioral problems, when in reality, and may actually, in some instances, cause more behavioral problems. So declawing is actually a perfect example of how little we know about training a cat. It was always a way to stop or thwart the problem. And just think of how much information that we can have at hand to help these animals. And maybe at some point, that won't have to be an issue for any more cats. And it would save so many cats from that fate. And people would be armed with so much more information, positive information, that would help the cats and themselves to achieve more positive results and positive behavior, just like we have with dogs. They are a different species, however, and it's a different language. And it's nice to be empowered and to learn new things and to ultimately help our companion animals. But we're going to find out today about this course and about how whether you work with animals, work directly with cats, work in a kennel, if you're a shelter volunteer or a shelter worker, in a veterinarian's office, as a veterinary tech, as a vet, as a groomer, or you just love your animals and live with a cat. It's beneficial to learn and to find out more about what motivates your cat, how you can get to respond to you, and draw out more appropriate behaviors. 
We'll find out and we'll talk a lot more about this with Steve Applebaum, the president of ABC Animal Behavior College. That's coming up next, right here on Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail, right after recess. Is the coast clear? Yes, let's go. Are you sure they went to Petco? Where else would they go? Oopsie. Hey, calm down. I smell presents. <gasps> go to PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco and get up to 40% off hundreds of holiday items at Petco. PetLifeRadio.com slash Petco. Uh-oh, step on it. Okay. Oh, not on my tail. <laughs> Petco, where the pets go. Dyson. The new Dyson Animal Backs are powerful bagless upright backings for homes with pets. Air muscle and radio root cyclone technology generates the strongest suction power to powerfully remove dust, dirt, and pet hair from the home or car. To order your Dyson Animal Back, go to PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. PetLifeRadio.com forward slash Dyson. To order your Dyson Animal Back today. Dyson. Music to your ears. Hi, this is Tim Link, host of Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Join me as we feature interviews with best-selling pet-related authors, award-winning writers, journalists, and bloggers. And we'll tell stories about the animals and interesting topics about the animals in our lives. Each of the interviews will give you a first-hand knowledge about why the authors and writers chose a particular story, what the feature animals meant to them, and what has become of those animals that we've talked about. And of course, I'll also share stories from my own books, blogs, articles, and experiences. So be sure to join me and the writers and authors on Animal Rights. Every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Hi, and welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm Angelina. And today I have the pleasure of speaking with one of my all-time favorite guests, the president of ABC Animal Behavior College, Mr. Steve Applebaum. Hi, Steve. Great to have you back. Always um, a pleasure. I wanted to talk with you about your latest course, your Feline Management and Training Program at Animal Behavior College, because I know you certainly have all the information we need to know about dogs, but not many people know about your course regarding cats. And from the information you sent me, it is so thorough and so amazing. And there's some fascinating information that I had not even considered before. So I was wondering, I know that if people, you know, had an interest working with animals, this would be perfect for them. But I imagine any cat lover or a person that has companion animals that are both dogs and cats or cats alone, this would be primary for them to have as far as in their arsenal of information. And I was hoping you could tell us a little about it. Yeah, we're very, very excited about this program. You know, it's funny, when, when we first broached the idea here at Animal Behavior College, I got a bit of uh, pushback. You know, really? a lot of people gave me a look like, really, cat training? Can you do that? It's a very common misconception. It gets, it's, a, it's understandable. 
you know, when people think about dogs and trainability, uh, you know, even if even non-trainers think um, Lassie comes to mind. You know, this beautiful right. rough-coated collie running across fields and jumping over fences and swimming lakes and fighting <laughs> off wild animals to finally tell the sheriff that little Timmy's in the mine shaft. You know, <laughs> I mean, every, everybody can picture that, but picture that with a cat, and right. you know, it's it's you, you get kind of a disconnect. And I think part of the challenge is, is that when people think of training, they mm-hmm. oftentimes think of specific behavioral cues. You know, I'm going to teach my dog to walk properly on a leash. I'm going to teach my dog to sit or stay or come or lay down, all of which are very important commands and can be lifesavers for dogs. But to teach those to cats, even if you can, and yes, you can, Mm-hmm. The question that a lot of people ask is, well, what's the point? I mean, I'm not really going to take my cat for a walk. I don't have the same need for obedience cues as I would with a dog. But when you say to these same people, or rather when you ask them, okay, but you do want to teach the cat to go to the bathroom in the litter box, and you certainly want to teach the cat to stop spraying on the walls, assuming that she's doing that, um, or scratching up the furniture. You'd like for him to be a bit more social around people or other cats. And the answer always comes back affirmative. Well, yeah, of course I want to teach the cat that, but that's training. So you can train cats. It's just a matter of what you train them for. And then the other issue becomes motivation. Well, dogs are motivated for a lot of reasons in training. One of the most critical is the fact that most, not all, but most dogs genuinely like to please. They like a pat on the head. They like a belly rub. They like attention. But when you try to reward a cat with a a belly rub, uh, you will get a rather strange look. A different response, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so they're just going to respond to different types of training methodology. But Mm -hmm. they're absolutely trainable once you understand how. And uh, given that there's something like 90 million cats in this country, a a little bit less. I think the last figure I read was 88.6 million. I've seen different figures. But by any measure, there are more cats in this country than there are dogs. And by the way, I'm not talking about stray cats. Uh, Mm -hmm. I was reading that there's an estimated 70 million stray cats. There's a tremendous number of of kitties out there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons that we set this program up was because when you go to an animal shelter, you see on the dog side a ton of outreach, a ton of shelters, and a lot of trainers working with shelters and working with dogs because over the last 10 or 15 years, there's been a real sea change in understanding on the part of shelters, whereas they used to be very focused on spaying and neutering, which is still a very critical message. They're now saying spay, neuter, train, spay, neuter, train, spay, neuter, train, Mm -hmm. and are working with trainers as a result. But then when you go to the cat side, Nothing. I mean, there's outreach, of course. There's shelters. There are adoption agencies for cats. So uh, I don't want to say nothing as far as people trying to to help them. But the training message is almost entirely absent on the cat side. And considering that more cats wind up in shelters than dogs and more cats are euthanized in shelters, and certainly some of those cats wind up in shelters because of untreated behavioral challenges, there's mm-hmm. clearly a huge opportunity to do a tremendous amount of good on the part of trainers as long as we can start to change the perception. So, That's yeah, it. this program is, uh, is, is going to be offered through the school, mostly to those obvious cat lovers that are getting into one of our training programs. 
so yeah, it's very, very, very exciting. I think we've got a lot of good continuing education programs, but I have to say, this one was kind of my baby. I was astonished. We couldn't find cat trainers. You know, we wanted to work with experts. My background's in dog training, so you know, I've done a little work with cats. But it, truth be told, if I were going to personally write the cat curriculum, it would have been much shorter. <laughs> so we looked for experts, and it was it was really, really eye-opening because you know we couldn't find more than a couple of dozen people all across the country that touted themselves as either feline behaviorists or cat trainers, and that speaks volumes. It does. So it fills such an enormous need. And like you said early on, you have to kind of, and you're doing this, you're doing it with this program, but you really have to start from scratch to show people that whole misconception of they're independent, you know, I hate that whole, you know, they're fine out in the wild, you know, people that right. still use that kind of, you know, it's not true. I mean, the animals that, you know, once they are domesticated, they can be trained too, but this whole independent thing, yeah, there, there is a sense of independence, yes, but that it can be kind of honed in and that they, they may not have that propensity to want to please the way the dogs do because they're different species, but that, that it can be kind of toned in and and it can evolve and I think that's the, probably the hardest thing to get through to people because they have this conception from years and years ago and generations and generations that people think that you're either cat people or dog people number one and that cats are so non-trainable and I would imagine that would be the hardest thing to kind of break through but you're doing it you know with this program and I applaud you on that because like you said there's really that I've even researched I don't see anybody doing this yeah. you know so you're breaking through a lot of myths which it's kind of sad that Cats have to kind of contend with that, aside oh, from yeah, everything else. They have else. to suffer. They do. Sure. They have to suffer because of people's misconceptions. And, you know, we get that a lot, too. The, you know, the, they're independent. They're aloof. Yeah. And you're absolutely right. They certainly are independent when compared to, say, for example, a dog sure. or, or many dogs. But, again, that's just a matter of finding something that motivates them. And for anybody that has a cat that they, they feel is very independent, you know, just try a little test. The next time, go to the store or, or you know, uh, uh, go online, find uh, you know, dog catalogs, although you can find most of these now uh, in, in uh, regular pet stores, and get yourself a clicker. It's a little, it's a little uh, noisemaker that uh, mm-hmm. is used in training. And uh, for the next couple of weeks, whenever you put the cat's food down and the cat comes over, just give that clicker uh, one or two clicks. Mm-hmm. And that's the only time that you should use it is when the cat comes over to be fed. And after about two and a half, three weeks, Click once when the cat isn't being fed and see what kind of response you get. I'd be willing to bet you that that cat will come to you uh, very, very quickly. Would the cat come for a scratch on the head like a Labrador retriever would? Well, you know, some will, but, you know, perhaps not as many cats as dogs. But I guarantee you that cat will come for something that he or she feels is rewarding. So it's just, again, it's just a matter of understanding how to go about training them, and you can get phenomenal results. In some ways, although comparisons are always a little risky because it's really an apples and oranges comparison, but Mm -hmm. in some ways, cats can be more responsive than dogs. Um, You know, and that's not a gauntlet thrown to the dog owners, really, because you hit on something earlier. It it, it doesn't have to be, I'm a cat person or I'm I'm a dog person. It really is, are you an animal lover? And even if you'd never want to have a cat, the perception that they can't be trained is completely wrong, and, and, and that's the perception that we really need to change. And we will, and we'll do it primarily by getting trainers out there that in their attempts to build their businesses through various networking endeavors, going to veterinarians, going to pet stores, 
they will forge relationships with these people and start to change the perception that way. Additionally, uh, we have a veterinary assistance program aside from our dog obedience trainer program and our grooming program, and we're, we've had a lot of very positive responses on the part of the veterinary community mm-hmm. uh, because they, they look at this as a godsend for them. You know, one of the things that a number of vets have told me is that they lose cat clients every year because the cat owners are not able to take their cats to the veterinarians on a regular basis, you know, for routine checkups or even when the kids are sick. And the reason why is because they can't get them in the carriers a lot of times. Oh, wow. And, uh, you know, you ever try to catch a cat, good luck if they don't want to be caught. And putting one of them in a carrier when they really don't want to go can be quite the experience. And so many people just don't do it. And so one of the things that we teach cat trainers in this program is how different ways, actually, that they can teach the cat to associate positive things with the carrier so that mm-hmm. when the time comes to take the cat to the vet, which, I mean, let's face it, for most of it, it's not going to happen all that often anyway, but routine checkups and so on, they have a much easier time of it, which means more cats get the medical treatment that they need, and thus they don't wind up becoming seriously ill or, uh, you know, or worse. And the vets are really focused on that. And so when veterinary assistants go to work in these hospitals, they're going to change the perception. When trainers go into hospitals and pet stores and, and just interface with the general public, they're going to change the perception. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not going to happen overnight, but you know, it is worth noting that, we, like I said, we could find uh, maybe a couple of dozen cat trainers, tops, um, wow, all yeah. over the country. Not, not a lot. No. Uh, we launched this program in October, and the first month we launched it, we had 91 people sign up for the program. Wow. Um, last month, it was 85 that suggests to me that after a year or two, when we have, you know, over a thousand people that have been trained to do this and are out there working and helping cats and the people that love them, we're going to start to see, uh, you know, we start to, to see a, a gradual change. And it's amazing because, I mean, this could start a whole chain of events in a positive way, too. I mean, not only is it kind of opening up a whole other field, you know, like a cat training, but also the fact that you can be saving so many more lives because more people will have more information about cats. I mean, the more information that's out there, the more educated people are and the more they start acting and reacting. Like, you know, the whole spay neuter and things like that. Cats are still sort of, well, you know by the numbers, cats are still neglected. That there's more feral cats than there are dogs. Well, thankfully... You know, in some areas, and not that many dogs. It depends on where you live. Of course, the cities there are. But I mean to say there's always more cats. Maybe this will, in time, and you'll be a big part of it, that there's a lot of lives saved because people will know how to handle their cats. They'll get trainers for their cats. They'll they'll pay as much attention as they do for dogs, you know, albeit maybe in a different regard or, you know, you know, focusing on a different motivation and the, the way that you teach it. But it'll have just as much structure and just as much attention given to that because that's been a neglected species for so long and, and so many lives can ultimately be saved by it too and that's what I'm hoping down the road. Yeah, no, I, I, we hope that too and I completely agree. You know, I think there will probably always be more straight cats than dogs. You think? Because yeah. Well, I, I do only because as I'm speaking, uh, you know, my Basset yeah. has walked in and, I, and I, look <laughs> at my, I look at my Basset hound and I think, yes, if somehow through an unfortunate series of events, this dog escaped from my yard tomorrow. Right. I know she'd be fine out there in the world. She could survive on her own. Uh, not so much. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, 
Whereas cats do have a, an incredible adaptability. And because of that, people are far less inclined to worry. I think that's unfortunate. I do because, I mean, let's face it, they are domesticated. We teach right. them to depend on us. And then when they're out on their own, we say, well, you guys can fend for yourself. So it's, you're right. There, and there, there needs to be a perceptional change. And I think over time there will be. But I do think there's some truth to the fact that cats can be generally a bit more adaptable, which is why you see a lot more of them. Yeah. But you're right. You're absolutely right. The number of stray cats in this, in this country is, is astronomically high. And uh, while I don't know of any studies specifically done about stray cats and the correlation to how many strays there are to untreated behavior problems, given some people's attitudes about the fact that cats can be left to fend for themselves, and given the fact that we know from animal shelters that cats are oftentimes dropped off at shelters because of untreated behavior problems, I don't think it's a stretch of the imagination to assume that many cats wind up as strays because right. of untreated behavior problems. So if we can teach people how to deal with behavioral challenges, hopefully there'll be fewer stray cats. And even if it can never be completely quantified, I believe we're still going to be doing a lot of good. A lot of good. And the thing is, you're right. If that number, the number will still decrease. I just in my heart, I believe that because you're putting such good information out there and there's so many more people now aware and they're going to spread. It's going to be like a, like a grapevine effect, you know, these teachers and these trainers, and it's going to just get out there and it's definitely creating a difference. And I think that's wonderful. Well, Steve, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to, we'll talk more about this program. And then can you give us some holiday tips as well? Absolutely. Okay. We'll be right back. Keep it right here on Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Okay, class, grab your tuna flakes, biscuits, and bones. Teacher's Pet will be back in two shakes of a tail right after recess. It's the holidays at PetSmart, so come one and all. There are hundreds of gifts for pets big and pets small. Toys only at PetSmart so special and new. They'll love the gifts. You'll love the value. Hurry to PetSmart today for your very best friend and save 30 to 50% before the holiday ends. The holidays are just around the corner. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart and save up to 30% on awesome gifts for the pets and pet people in your life. Toys, collars, leashes, PetSmart gift cards, treats, and more. So shop early and save money. Go to PetLifeRadio.com slash PetSmart today. Love your pets but wish their medications were a lot less expensive? They are at 1-800-PET-MEDS. You'll not only save on flea and heartworm medications, but on prescriptions for arthritis, incontinence, thyroid, and more. And you get fast service, free shipping, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Plus, our licensed pharmacists ensure accuracy, monitor drug interaction, and more. See why over 5 million people have trusted their pet's health to 1-800-PET-MEDS, America's largest pet pharmacy. Call now or order online. Go to PetMeds.com forward slash teacher to get 10% off any order and free shipping on orders of $39 or more at PetMeds.com. How would you like your business to reach out and invite in our audience? We have a brand new trademark concept called InfoSeeds. InfoSeeds are short 20-second seeds of information about your place of business, practice, or service is the best most cost-effective way to invite us in. We only have a limited number of slots left. 
For more information, visit the website. PetLifeRadio.com Click on sponsorship information. There you can listen to a sample of InfoSeed. Remember, only a limited number of opportunities are available. Hi, this is Marcy Davis and my service dog, Whistle, and we're your hosts of Working Like Dogs on Pet Life Radio. Working Like Dogs is the show where you can learn everything you ever wanted to know about working animals or working dogs. Whether you're a member of a working dog team or you've just seen a working dog or animal out at the mall or the grocery store and you're curious about how these amazing animals work with their human partners, then Working Like Dogs is the show for you. Join us for the inside scoop at Working Like Dogs on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, class, hang up your collars and leashes. Teacher's Pet is back in session. Now park yourselves on the floor. I said park, not bark. Okay, Teacher's Pet. Pay attention. There may be a quiz later. Hi, and welcome back to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. I'm Nancy Tolino, along with Steve Applebaum, president of Animal Behavior College. We're talking about the latest course offering, which is feline management and training program, which is absolutely amazing. Steve, can you tell us a little more about it and also, you know, about what else is happening at the school? Well, absolutely. The feline management program, the, the primary focus is behavioral problem solving and prevention. But we also, we also teach people in the program just about the, the history of cats. I mean, how long we've been, uh, how long they've been domesticated. Um, we, we do extensive, uh, extensive teaching on the different cat breeds. Some medical information. I mean, we're not, we're not veterinarians, but we want, we want our, our cat trainers to certainly have an understanding about some of the things that they need to look for and point out to clients. Uh, that may indicate that the cat, at the very least, needs to go to the veterinarian and be checked out. So just, a, just a, you know, an awareness. You cover uh, tons of topics here. Yeah. I mean, goodness, things that yeah. I didn't even know, you know, existed. That that's what I said. I mean, here, and even the evolution is kind of interesting. It is. The, the evolution. Of, <laughs> I had the no idea. Of cats is uh, is very interesting. You know, it's, when we were doing the research for this, you know, I mean, I think everybody's heard of the. Uh, Black plague. Actually, there were several outbreaks, but the, the the big one that killed, you know, anywhere from half to three quarters of the population of Europe back in the uh, 13th century, I believe it was. There's at least some schools of thought that suggest that one of the reasons that that spread as strongly as it did across the continent mm-hmm. was because cats had been purged in part by uh, some of the churches. Due to the fact oh. that they were considered in league with the devil at the time, oh. <laughs> it's a different world. But I know. But, so there were fewer cats to keep the rodent population down. Yeah, and it was rodents that spread this. It was fleas on the backs of the rodents. Uh, I believe it would would bite people and spread this. Right. But with the rodent population able to multiply uh, in far greater numbers, it, it was it became uh, the plague was certainly spread faster. And it was uh, arguably much worse than it might have been had there been a lot more cats. Now, and this is disputed by some, and it's an, it's an interesting historical aside, if nothing else. They do have a very long and fascinating history. 
there are um, statues of cats that they found in Egyptian tombs. So we're talking, you know, 5,000 years of BCE. And I thought the program was uh, was an eye-opener for me. It, it certainly I, is. And just to know how they're motivated, you know, the things that would motivate them for training versus dogs. I mean, it's a whole, of course, a whole different species, a whole different thing. And it's eye-opening, you know, that it is possible, number one, is a very cool thing. And then the way that you go about it, you know, people do need that education. That's not something that, I mean, it's certainly with dogs as well, but people have come to kind of, I guess, accept that quicker, like we talked about earlier. But the fact yeah. is that this was something that was just like an untouched situation. And But there is information available and you're bringing that to people. And I think that's, it's needed, but it's also, it's eye-opening because just to know that that is, that is possible. And even the things that I'm reading, the way that they get motivated and the way that they can be, the things that they respond to, you wouldn't think normally those kind of things. You just would kind of go about and let your cat kind of just be. When you're just kind of, by not taking up those moments, you're missing a lot. Like now I know having a, several dogs and cats, you see the interaction and, you know, but when you just have cats only, a lot of times with a dog, a dog will bring different things out in a cat. I don't know how that interplays as far as, you know, your program, but, you know, animals can kind of bring things out of each other. But as far as people interacting with cats and getting the information they want, following this program is, is amazing. It's just something that you would never think to do. Yeah, we've gotten incredible feedback about the course. And, um, you know, one of the things that we were hoping is that a lot of dog trainers pick up on this. That's because what I would The average dog trainer, I mean, they work with like a couple of hundred people a year. Yeah. Uh, some work with a good deal more than that. And, and so what we're suggesting to new trainers especially, although to ultimately to all trainers, is if they want a way that they can stand out, then aside from training dogs, they should also really consider working with cats. Mm-hmm. Just from being able to save that many more lives. And a lot of dog owners are also cat owners, and, mm-hmm. uh, or certainly a lot of cat owners know dog owners, so it's just another way to add to your business and mm-hmm. uh, to do it in a very positive way. You know, and it's especially you know, new trainers, and one of the things that new trainers do is, is they, look to, they look to network with veterinarians so that they can get referrals and they can build a referral base that way. And... Um, you know, when you walk into a veterinarian's office and you're you're, you're attempting to meet the staff and get the, they want get them to know you, you can be very personable. You know, you can have great ideas in which in ways in which you can help the uh, the staff and bring problem tips into the hospital. You can do little clinics for the staff, and and those are are oftentimes very widely accepted. But if a clinic or a hospital is working with a couple of other trainers, and these trainers have more experience than you. It's an excellent possibility that's going to take a while for you to get referrals. And in fact, a lot of trainers find themselves stuck in that classic dilemma. I don't have a lot of experience, so I'm not getting the opportunity, but if I don't get the opportunity, how do I get the experience? Right. Catch 22. So... And one of the ways to, to speed up this process is, is if you walk into the hospital and, and, and you're talking about dog training services and all that, and then you say, and I also train cats, given the fact that there are almost no cat trainers out there as of yet, chances are that you're going to stand out tremendously and you are going to get referrals. Now, admittedly, a lot of the referrals you're going to get initially are going to be cat training. So hopefully, or you wouldn't be doing this, you like working with cats, right. but you're also going to get dog, dog clients as well. And like you said, there are people, like certainly myself as well, that have dogs and cats. And, you know, and that's the, the crux of everything. You, you have everything going on at once. You can work with both, you know, and it makes it even easier. It, it absolutely does. I mean, and, and previously, you know, you, you, if you work with a dog trainer, 
um, and you know how to deal with the dog aspects of the behavior, but you're mm-hmm. very, much less clear about how to modify the cat's behavior, you're not going to be effective in, in dog-cat households anyway. That's right. That's right. So that opens up that whole world for trainers as well. It does. It, it certainly does. It's also for groomers. You know, mm. a, a, far more people groom dogs than cats. Groomers do have cat grooming business. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there are ways in which uh, uh, groomers can learn to teach cats to be calmer in that situation, in a grooming situation, and ways in which owners at home can teach cats to get used to many of the elements of a grooming situation, to be more comfortable by being, for being brushed, for example. Uh, you know, some cats don't like that. Right, Generally, right. if kitty doesn't like it, you're going to be hard-pressed to get him to sit still for it unless right. you understand how you can counter-condition and teach the cat to associate positive things with being brushed, in which case it's going to be easier for you and it's going to be easier for the groomer as well. So this is for all pet professionals and just for cat lovers. Right, absolutely. That's what I said. It seemed like before it was the other animal trying to bring something out of the cat, whether it's cat-cat or dog-cat, but never people. It just seems like that wasn't attempted before. They just didn't know which way to go with it because the information just wasn't available. So this is pretty fascinating. It's unique and it's definitely, definitely needed. So um, that's something that everyone should check out. You know what, Steve, while we have you on the line and we have holidays around the corner, can you give us some holiday safety tips for both dogs and cats for all our companion animals? Absolutely, yeah. Um, you know, the, the, thing about, the thing about the holidays is oftentimes there are food items left mm-hmm. about that are not as frequently found during the rest of the year. You know, uh, for example, a lot of people have really fruitcakes and things like that that are out during the holidays. If a cat or dog gets into those, the raisins especially can be, can be poisonous. It can be dangerous, as can grapes. Yeah, you know, for those people that have uh, uh, Christmas trees or, uh, you know, the electric menorahs, anything that plugs in, especially with teething puppies, that's just more of a dog problem than a cat problem. If they're inclined to chew the wire, the, the electrical cord rather, obviously that's potentially dangerous. Wrapped presents with the... Um, ribbons and things yeah, like that. Ribbons, and especially these, you know, kind of the metallic uh, the metallic. Ribbons. Oh, the icicles or tinsel, things like that. Like little, that yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, the puppies no, chew that. That's an Easter thing too. Like you know, the Easter baskets. I found out the hard way years ago with my cat. With the you know the the grass has that long stringiness to it, yeah. and it's shiny and ugh, keep them away. They love that, and it can be dangerous. And right. So, you know, and, and that doesn't mean you shouldn't have a wonderful holiday or decorate your house. It just, just means that, especially with young puppies and kittens, sure, a little management and a little maintenance is is definitely in order. Not giving them full run of uh, of, of all areas, if at all possible, and being just more aware that uh, these are things that have the potential to be dangerous, and uh, to keep your eye on them. That would be all year long, like with the wires and any and you know, little small items, whether they're ornament hooks or whatever, or just even throughout the year, anything small can be ingested and cause you know a choking hazard or gastrointestinal problems or blockages. So these are things that people should be aware of all year long when you think about it, right? Just management, like you said. Absolutely. Although during the holidays, you have a couple of things that come together that make it harder for people. At first, mm-hmm. it's more distracting. 
people's yeah. schedules are a little off kilter because you've got you've got greater numbers of guests coming over. Perhaps you have people coming to stay for the holidays. You've got items or or greater numbers of items out that are potentially dangerous. You know, like a lot of presents wrapped with this uh, with this icicly kind of stuff. Like more than the normal number of electrical appliances or electrical items that are plugged in, and you have the little blinking lights, and it's just very yeah. distracting um, for people and for pets. And with that comes a breakdown of uh, training schedules. You know, a lot right. of people get puppies during this time of year. Right. And one of the ways in which you house train a puppy is by getting the puppy out regularly, eating and watering regularly. And that's tough to do if your schedule is a bit irregular during this time of year. Yeah. It means that you need to be that much more focused, even if you have to write it down or do whatever you need to do to remember the times when you have to get the puppy out to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, making sure that the puppy or the kitten has appropriate play toys and, mm-hmm. and, and chew toys. Kittens are not as inclined to uh, go through that voracious chewing, teething period the way the way puppies do. Kittens tend to like to scratch a lot, though, and, mm-hmm. and they, uh, you know, they're testing their claws on things. And, and so a lot of this is about prevention. In the case of cats, if you can give the kitten or cat a nice... Sissel, that's a fabric that seems to be best. A scratching post. Okay. Uh, and really, maybe we'll put a little catnip by that uh, uh, so that the, the kitten is very, very focused on scratching that. The kitten's going to be far less focused on scratching your furniture. Right, uh, right. If, if you teach the puppy to focus on chewing her chew bone and you get that puppy to chew the chew bone 30, 40, 50, 60% more than she did before, Chances are she's going to be that much less inclined to want to gnaw on the electrical cord. Right. So, you know, just a lot of these are just prevention things, you know, as well as just being aware. If you've got a real Christmas tree, you want to make sure that the dish where you put the water in is covered so that the cats or dogs don't drink from that because that can be dangerous. Right. There's, uh, there's any number of things that you can do, and most of it just revolves around awareness. Mistletoe is fun. Hang it high and <laughs> right. hang it out of reach so that, you know, the, the cats or dogs can't get to it. And so those are beautiful this time of year. Uh, but just be aware that they have the potential to be dangerous. So put them up if you can. Or, you know, and really, all plants, right, even when you think about it throughout the year, if yeah. you should get in that mindset, especially with cats, I imagine dogs too, for some things. And I know there are some things that aren't that poisonous. You could, you know, you check out what's safe and all. I know the, I think the ASPCA site. Right, but the thing is, I just say rule of thumb: keep them all away. You know, don't you think? Just keep them yeah, all away from the paws. And a lot of people that love plants, and yeah. it's not always practical to to put all the plants away. But if, you, <laughs> well, if you're going to have a lot of plants in your house, high. then you need to be aware of which ones are potentially dangerous. Yeah, and, and you're right. The ASPCA has a wonderful website where they will uh, they list uh, they the poison list control. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And, and yeah, it's not difficult to find, you know, uh, hundreds of plants that are potentially dangerous and then, you know, make the comparison. Ooh, I didn't realize that was dangerous. I better, uh, I better get that, get rid of that one and put it where the, where my pet can't get to it. And, you know, but I could have this and this and this out because they're not, they're not. Right. Uh, those are basic things. I mean, just to maintain a training schedule, to be aware of those items that are potentially dangerous or poisonous to get the cat focused on scratching the right things, to get the dog focused on chewing the right things, to avoid giving the uh, either one uh, 
extra treats during this time of year. I think we right? all have a few extra treats, and a little is fine. <laughs> but you know, it's the holidays after all. But, we but train but ourselves, don't do it. Steve. We have to train ourselves. Pull back on some trees. Everyone will be on their exercise regimens after the first of the year. Cats That's and right. dogs included. But it is good to uh, to be somewhat cautious. You know, That's right. Overboard with the overfeeding. Or, uh, That's right. You know, you shorten their lives, and, 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 and you can run into a whole host of uh, other behavioral challenges. And if you stay on track through the times of distractions, whether it be holidays or anytime, you're, you're doing your dog a service because, you know, you'll do that throughout the year as well. I mean, like you said, this is a time of high level of distraction, but if you stay focused, you're only going to serve you and your companion animal well because then later on, when the dog stays on or the cat stays on a schedule, it's only going to serve you better because, sure. right? No, <laughs> the whole thing is consistency. Yeah. Consistency, as you know, is one of the, uh, one of the hallmarks of good training. Right. And now, thanks to you, we have a whole open door on feline training, which is, is still, I, I'm floored by it. And I'm really, really happy that you have that. And I'm glad that it opens up a whole lot of doors, going to help uh, a whole lot of cats in the future and a lot of people. And, and I'm certainly interested in it. And I really want to pursue that as well. I mean, it's just a, a whole new endeavor. And I'm pl- proud to say that uh, you have that now at Animal Behavior College. Your website, Steve, is www.animalbehaviorcollege.com, right? That, and that the number 888-600-7220. Okay. And, uh, yeah, people can get it, all the information they need by either, you can check it out on our website or, sure. or by calling that number. And uh, we hope to have a lot of, uh, a lot more interest in this uh, as well as all our programs. Oh, absolutely. We're all focused on making animals' lives better. I know. Every time I talk to you, there's so much fascinating information that comes out of the college. So it's a pleasure always to have you with us. And I, and I want to thank you for sharing your time with us again, Steve. Are you, uh, have a wonderful holiday. you have any plans? or? I'm going to stay close to home this year. How about yourself? Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. We'll keep all our animals uh, on track that way too, right? Yeah, well, yeah my, my basset looks at me with the eyes of utter betrayal if I leave for more than 15 minutes. I'm, <laughs> I'm homebound now. <laughs> I have a, quite a few big ones, so it's hard to transport. <laughs> so it's like, yeah. it's better if I just stay home. <laughs> well, you either stay home or get a bigger car. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> well, thank you, Steve. And again, please stop back. Say hi to us. Let us know all that's going on with your school very soon. Okay. It's a pleasure as always, and uh, I love the opportunity to speak with you as well as to share what we're doing with all your listeners. Thanks, Steve. Once again, we thank Steve Applebaum of Animal Behavior College, President. And I would like to invite you to come back and see us again. Um, And remember, create peace for you and your companion animals for a happier, healthier life together. I'm Nancy Tolino. Thank you for listening to Teacher's Pet on Pet Life Radio. Talk to you again soon. School's in session on Pet Life Radio with Teacher's Pet. Learn how to communicate with your pet, train your pet, and see the world from your pet's point of view. You may even learn a few tricks yourself. Teacher's Pet, only on PetLifeRadio.com.